This is an exciting new season. Lots of things are growing, re-emerging. There's lots of opportunities. But maybe you're feeling a bit jaded or like many people around the world, after the pandemic, you're feeling a little bit burnt out. Or maybe you're not feeling burnt out, but you're a bit deflated, like something you'd hoped for hasn't quite materialized and you're sort of drifting at the moment. Or perhaps even worse, maybe something that you really invested yourself in. You've been building a venture or a business or even a relationship and it's collapsed at this time. And you're left with your faith fractured. You're a bit disappointed either in God or you feel you've disappointed him. If that's you, then I believe that one of the most important passages in the whole of scripture is when Jesus reinstates Peter after the resurrection. Or maybe you're not feeling like that, but one day you'll need to hear the words of Jesus too. You see, Peter had been through a whirlwind of three years of doing ministry with Jesus. He'd left everything. He'd left his career and he'd followed Jesus. He believed Jesus to be the Messiah, the one he hoped who would overthrow the Romans and restore Israel. And this was Peter's big chance to make a difference in the world, to make his life count. But when Jesus was crucified, all of those hopes and dreams, all that vision he had came crashing down, seemingly nothing. Maybe you know how that feels like to have your hopes and dreams dashed. You know, all that Peter had given up, all that he poured himself into, it seemed to have been a waste. And then we get one of, I think, the most depressing verses in the whole of Scripture. It's John 21, verse 3. Peter says to his friends, I'm going out to fish. And the other disciples say, OK, we'll go with you. Peter literally went back to his old life. He went back fishing and now he is metaphorically and literally drifting again. Peter's faith was fractured despite his passionate declaration to Jesus that he'd never abandon him, even until the end, well, he became fearful after Jesus' arrest and, as you know, denied him. Not once, not twice, but three times. I mean, the guilt and the shame must have been unbearable for Peter. Again, maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you know what guilt or shame feels like. But with Jesus, where there's death, there's always new life. And the risen Jesus appeared to, to the disciples on the shore. And there on the beach, Jesus then has a conversation with Peter that would literally change his life and the course of history. In this conversation, Jesus says five phrases that would restore Peter, that would heal him that would re-energize him, put his faith back together again and set a new vision for his life. If you need to be restored, have your faith put back together, your heart healed and get a new vision, these words of, of, of Jesus, they can change your life today too. So let me read it to you. This is John 21 verses 15 to 25. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, and Simon Peter is the name for Peter, 
Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leant back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread amongst the brothers that the, this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. But it, he only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Amen. So what are these five phrases that Jesus says to Peter and I believe says to you today as well that completely change us for the better? The first is this. Jesus says, do you truly love me? verses 15, 16, and again in verse 17. This is so important in life. The starting point of truly flourishing in life is a deep knowledge that God loves you and then responding to him in love. Now, John, who wrote this uh, gospel later in his first letter, 1 John 4, 19, says, we love because he, God, first loved us. Jesus had said, hadn't he, in John 15, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And then he'd actually demonstrated that by dying on the cross for you and for me. And in Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus said, the greatest commandment is this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You, sh you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So loving God, loving Jesus, is the start of life and any restoration. And it's so easy, isn't it, to you know, be on fire for Jesus when we first become a Christian. But after years of serving him and all of the hard knocks in life, sort of to let your heart grow cold. Yeah, this is what happened to me. I, I came to faith uh, just before I went to university by reading uh, the New Testament. 
And by the time I left university, I was on fire for God. And I, I went straight into a corporate job with a vision to bring lots of my colleagues to know Christ and to see the kingdom of God advance in the workplace. Now, this is a brilliant vision. If you have that vision, amen to that. But I sort of don't know what happened to me. After about seven years in the workplace, I'd grown so lukewarm in my faith and I needed a serious restoration Peter moment. In his letter to the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation, Jesus commends their hard work and perseverance, but he writes these words in Revelation 2 verse 4. He says, yet I hold this against you. You, you have forsaken your first love. And that's exactly what I'd done. I'd forsaken my first love of Jesus, and I couldn't move forward without returning to my first love of Christ. Peter couldn't move forward without returning to step one of the Christian faith, without returning to the base camp of Christianity, which is love. And of course, Jesus graciously asks Peter if he loves him three times, mirroring the exact number of times that Peter had denied him. In other words, it's God's love for us that rekindles our ability to love him and start our process of reconciliation, forgiveness, and restoration. St. Paul writing to the Corinthians, his first letter, chapter 13 says, you know, we can do all sorts of wonderful things for God. We can speak in tongues, prophesy, fathom mysteries, have mountain moving faith, but if we don't love, we're nothing. In fact, Paul says, love is the most excellent way. So how do we foster this love or find a renewed love for Jesus? The simple answer is we need an encounter with the risen Jesus. Earlier in John chapter 21, Jesus had begun to speak to to the disciples whilst they're in the boat from the shore. Now, at first, they don't recognize who it is talking to them on the shore because we're told they were, they were about 90 meters away from the shore. And they'd been out fishing back to their old ways and caught nothing. You know, going back to your old life is always fruitless. And the man on the shore, Jesus, says to them, hey, try throwing your net on the other side. Do you know, with Jesus, he'll often call you to do what you're already doing, but in a totally new way. So the disciples obey. I mean, what have they got to lose? And they, they throw the net on the other side and catch a miraculous catch of fish. It's an exact repeat of the miracle with which Jesus had originally called them at the start of his ministry in Luke chapter five. And when they catch all this fish, Peter has his moment of realization. And in verse seven says, it is the Lord. And back then the fishermen would often be topless when they were fishing because it was hot work. So Peter immediately grabs his garment, just throws it around him and he jumps off the boat into the water. 
and he splashes and dashes the 90 meters towards the shore to get to Jesus in desperation to have a fresh encounter with Jesus as his Lord. How desperate are you to have a fresh encounter or maybe even the first ever encounter with Jesus Christ? You can jump straight into that encounter today. And as we encounter Jesus, how do we do that? Well, we encounter it by reading the Bible in his word. This is primarily how Jesus chats to us today, not on the shore of a beach, but through the pages of his word. And we encounter Jesus in prayer. That's how we talk back to him in that conversation. And we encounter Jesus in communion. You know, when the disciples got to the shore, Jesus has breakfast with them, a a barbecue on the beach, but then we're told that he breaks bread with them, communion. And we also encounter Jesus in community, in fellowship with one another. You know, if you're burnt out or you're on the brink, it's hard to come back from the brink without community. Isolation is often a choice, but you can choose community as well. If you're not in a connect group, I encourage you, get in one, it'll make a difference. And we encounter Jesus by being filled with his spirit. So you can have your Peter moment today as you encounter Christ, just as I did when I needed it most. We'll pray for that at the end of this talk. Do you truly love me? The second thing Jesus says to us is this, take care of my sheep, verse 16. A shepherd should smell of sheep. If you're any good, you need to get up close to the flock, to those whom you're serving. And it's the same for Christians. We need to get up and close to those that we love and serve. Now, you might say, well, hold on a minute. Wasn't it doing all this stuff for God that got me burnt out in the first place or or got me hurt? Well, often it's not the action itself that burns us out, but it's when we work hard with the wrong motives. You see, the motive is love of Jesus. It's why each time Jesus asks Peter if he loves him before he says, okay, you do? then take care of my sheep. It's not the other way around. It's not, Peter, love my sheep, and then I'll know that you love me. It's, do you love me? Ah, take care of my sheep. Let love be the motive. And when we love Jesus, the inevitable consequence will be that you and I start to love other people. In John 13, verse 34, Jesus had said a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Your love is like a muscle. It must be exercised to grow. And in fact, if you don't exercise it, also like a muscle, it will shrink away and wither. Look at me, I can vouch for that. But the good news is that your heart has muscle memory. Your love will be 
rekindled. And loving one another is part of the way in which we foster our own love for God further. Coming up soon on uh, Sunday, the 20th of February, uh, we're going to be running something that day called The Big Serve. It's an opportunity for you, for everyone, to commit to joining a team and be shown ways in which you can put love into action in the body of the church and in serving the community. I'd encourage you to get involved and exercise that muscle of love. But even before the 20th of February, right now, I wonder, what little act of kindness for someone else could you do this very week? Even now, allow the Spirit just to bring somebody to mind and a way in which you could bless them. Jesus says, take care of my sheep. The third phrase that Jesus says to Peter and to us, this is very important, is he he says, where you do not want to go. In verse 18, Jesus tells Peter that when he's older, he'll be led to where he does not want to go. And John says this refers to the type of death that Peter would have, whereby he would glorify God. Now, if I'm honest with you, this slightly blows my mind. The thought that it's Jesus who might lead us where we don't want to go. Because it's easy, isn't it, to think that, well, of course, Jesus is always there to do right by us. Uh, he's always there to serve us, to answer our beck and call, not the other way around. But even if Jesus does lead us where we do not want to go, he will never lead us anywhere other than that which is best for the plans he has for your life and mine. Yeah, the early church believed that Peter eventually went to Rome and the you know, terrible persecution of the Christians broke out in Rome. And they believed that Peter therefore uh, began to flee from Rome. And he was taking uh, one of the roads away from the city called the Via Appia. And they believed that as Peter was heading away from the city, walking on that road, Peter saw a vision of Jesus walking the opposite way towards the city. And when he met this vision of Jesus, Peter said to Jesus, where are you going? In Latin, which is the language that they spoke in Rome, that question was, quo vadis, quo vadis, where are you going? And Jesus said to Peter, I'm going to Rome to be crucified again. In that moment, Peter knew that the Lord was asking him to turn around and to go back to the city for him. And he did. And eventually, Peter was arrested and crucified, executed for his faith. But it did indeed glorify God. They believe, even to this day in Rome, that the spot where either Jesus, where, uh, that where either Peter was buried or the memorial to his death is the exact spot on which St. Peter's Basilica stands today in St. Peter's Square. 
It's the, what became the epicenter of the global church for centuries. And they even, on that road out of the city, they, they've even built a church there today. It's called the Church of Quo Vadis, the church of where are you going? You see, Peter's sacrifice laid the foundation for the growth of the church. So ask Jesus, Quo Vadis, Ask him, Lord, where do you want me to go? And trust that whatever his answer, it is the best outcome for your life. It is the best outcome for the kingdom of God. And even if it's where you don't want to go today, trust him that in the context of eternity, there's no better plan for you. The fourth thing that Jesus says to Peter after that is verse 19, he says, so follow me, follow me. This actually is a command that Jesus gives Peter. And it's the same invitation that he'd given him when he first called him after that first miraculous catch of fish in Luke 5 at the start of his ministry. And do you remember back in Luke 5, what had been Peter's reaction? Well, he'd said to Jesus back then, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And now by here in John 21, Peter's shown that statement to be true. I mean, he'd abandoned Jesus and denied him when Jesus needed him the most. But of course, Jesus had known what would happen when he first called Peter. And he now recalls Peter, knowing Peter's character completely. You see, it didn't matter because Jesus loved Peter. He died and risen for Peter and he's died and risen for you and me. And he loves to use imperfect Peter, uh, imperfect people like Peter and like you and me. You see, a perfect God can use imperfect people. I recently uh, got to hear from a guy his story. He's Indonesian, he, he's originally from, uh, I think, Bandung in Indonesia. And when he was a, a young guy, he took up boxing, he was really good at it, and actually even represented uh, Indonesia, his nation, in boxing. When he sort of decided to hang up his gloves, he said he sort of lost his purpose in life and he, he got in with a bad crowd and he ended up living a life as a gangster and crime and eventually was arrested and imprisoned. Whilst he was in prison, someone came to visit him and they, they just gave him a little parcel. And he said, what's this? Is it bread? And the person said, well, yeah, sort of. Later on, back in his cell, he, he unwrapped the gift and found it was a Bible. And he began to read and he read how Jesus says, I am the bread of life, the only one who can satisfy. And there in his cell, this guy put his faith in Jesus. His whole uh, character and behavior changed when he began to follow Jesus. And so he got out of jail uh, relatively early, he was released. And today, his name is Pastor Jacob. He's a pastor 
and he picked up the boxing gloves again. And he now runs uh, a boxing gym. And all the young teenage lads from the town come to his gym and he trains them. He trains them physically, but he also trains them spiritually, how to follow Jesus and ensure that their life has a new vision and purpose. Jesus knows your past. He sees your flaws in the present, but he still has an amazing plan for your future. He's died for you. He's bought you at a price. Actually, your life is no longer your own. You belong to Jesus. It is his ministry. It is his plan for your life that will bring fulfillment. But to walk in his plan, you must follow him. That means to surrender, to be obedient. And, it, and to follow Jesus, it doesn't just mean to walk with Jesus. It also means to walk like Jesus. You know, how we walk is really more important than where we walk to. And by this, I mean our character. Do we display the fruit of the Spirit, the character of Jesus in how we live day to day? Follow me. The fifth phrase that Jesus says to Peter and to you and me is this. What is that to you? Verse 22, what is that to you? You know, you've got to love Peter. Jesus has just said all of this amazing stuff to him. And his first response is to look at John and say, hey, what about him? It's classic Peter. Do you know, Peter falls straight into this trap of comparison. And comparison is rarely a good thing. It kills destiny and steals identity. What do I mean? Well, comparison steals destiny. We can be tempted to try and do that, which we see others doing, instead of following what Jesus has for us. And it steals identity. You know, we think we need to be like someone else to be loved by God, instead of just being who God has made us to be. And, and linked to this whole obsession with identity, you know, I think during the pandemic, a lot of people have been asking this question, who am I? And as a result, one of the industries where there's been an explosion the last two years is in this whole area of buying DNA testing kits. I don't know whether you have bought one. Um, a couple of years back, some friends uh, for my birthday, surprise birthday present, gave me one of these DNA testing kits. So I, I did it and actually it was very interesting. I discovered that I had some like second cousins that live in Sweden um, and really interestingly discovered that my father is two and a half percent Pakistani and uh, possibly Jewish. This was all news to me. And, you know, everybody wants to know who they are. Everybody wants to know, what's, what are my roots? You know, this um, picture here is of, on one side, um, the oldest remains ever found of uh, 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 a human being 
in the Western world. It was uh, the remains of a man found in cheddar, which is in Somerset in England. You may have heard of cheddar cheese. Uh, he dates back 9,000 years. But the guy next to him is uh, a teacher alive today in the town of Cheddar, and DNA has shown him to be a direct descendant of that 9,000-year-old man. They are the sort of longest known direct relatives on the planet. Everybody wants to know, what are my roots? But it's interesting. Jesus didn't say, by your roots, they will know you, but by your fruit, they will know you. You see, we don't need to do DNA testing or copy other people to try and create or curate an identity for ourselves. Actually, you can know who you are in Christ. You are a son or daughter of the living God. You're a co-heir with Jesus Christ the King. You're part of God's family, and it's not just your blood, but it, it's the Holy Spirit who runs through your veins, and you carry the family likeness. So stay in your lane, be faithful to your calling, display the fruit of the Spirit, and don't worry about what others are or are not doing. In the words of Jesus, what is that to you? Trust him with your life and the plan he has for you. Now, these five phrases that he says to Peter on the beach are life-changing for us. But of course, there's a sixth thing he'd also said to Peter. This was a chapter earlier in John 20, verse 22. He'd said to Peter and all the disciples, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he breathed on them. The Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. It can also mean breath, the breath of God. In Genesis, we read that when God created Adam, he breathed life into him. And now the risen Jesus breathes new life into us by his Holy Spirit. I began by saying that the starting place of all renewal, of being restored, of being re-energized, of being re-envisioned, the starting point is to love God. But thankfully, even that we don't have to do on our own. Romans 5 verse 5 says that God pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. And then we can choose to redirect that love to Jesus and those around us. So why don't we ask the Spirit right now to pour his love into us? Wherever you're watching this, if you can, you might want to uh, open your hands as if to say to yourself, I really do want to receive. Or if where you're, you're sitting or standing, that's a bit self-conscious. Maybe you're in a crowd and you're listening to this on headphones, you can just close your eyes and silently in your heart, just echo this prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. Would you come into me again? Would you pour your love into my heart? And just receive.
Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. He's breathing his spirit on you right now. If your faith feels fractured, I believe he's restoring it, returning you to your first love. And for some watching this, allow your mind to ask Jesus this question. Quo Vadis, where are you going? Into what venture or opportunity or place or to what person do you want me to follow you, Jesus? Give me the courage to obey. Keep receiving right now. This is a great opportunity to, to ask for prayer. You can ask for prayer by clicking request prayer or uh, sending us in uh, uh, a prayer request or, or even come to lot 10 to HTBB in Bukit Bintang. We'd love to pray with you. This is a special moment. Take this opportunity and we're going to worship together again right now.